What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Trap or Die podcast. I am your host, Molly Maul. Uh, Dre is on the way. I don't know what AJ's situation is right now as I'm talking to you. I know he was in some travel plans. Um, so we're going to put that on pause until we can figure out that situation. But let's get the administrative items out of the way right quick before we get Dre on. Um, as always, man, if you tapped in on that YouTube side, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe button. We definitely appreciate you checking in. Uh, audio. If you're on that audio, hit that follow button, man, whichever platform you are listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, man, and make sure you hit us with a rating and review. We definitely appreciate those. Um, you know, it takes two seconds to do. It's free. I ain't asking for no money. Right? You can donate if you want to. It's on the YouTube side. <laughs> but it's free to give us a rating and review, man. So we definitely appreciate that. Uh, who we got in here checking in? Jay Tyler, Monty, DMV, Benz. I see you checking in. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate y'all checking in. Everybody live. If you're on the um, oh, one more call-ins. If you want to call in, man, it's an open show. Uh, we were posed, we were supposed to have a guest today. Um, and I I jumped the gun. I should have waited. I said it on the on the, the all 32 podcast last week. Um, if you all listen to that, uh, but I should have waited. Uh, so I guess we'll, you know, if, if that person comes along, you know, boom, we're going, we're going to make that known. Uh, but I, I definitely jumped the gun and that's frustrating because I do that shit too much. Anyway, what's going on with you, Kayla? Let's go ahead and get Dre in this thing right now. Boom. What's going on with you, player? How you feeling, out? I'm good, man. Welcome I'm all to the new era, play. new quinter, man. <laughs> Let's go, you. man. I know that I know that wasn't you know a popular thing amongst the fan base, but hey, like I said, I'm all in for Quinn at this point. But what else can we do? <laughs> what else can we do? Um, oh, sorry for call-ins, YouTube description. That's where it said. I think I opened up to Facebook now too. Um, just to see what's up, see see if anybody lives over there. So it's on the Facebook description as well. So if you're on Facebook. Uh, go to the YouTube. I mean, go to the description. You'll find it there as well. Um, better late than never. Y- you know what? Well, I take that. So we're gonna we're gonna stay on it. Hopefully, we get them because it's a it's a it's a really it's a really good guess, man. Um, potentially, but but I'm not gonna jump the gun. We're gonna talk about Ben for a little bit. Uh, but we're not gonna start off with Ben. We're gonna start off with everything we know right now, and that's Dan Quinn, uh, Dre. Since we last talked. The last thing we spoken on 
on this show, uh, Commander side, was that Ben Johnson tapped out uh, and backed out of the interview. Um, we'll circle back in, in due time in this conversation, but right now Dan Quinn was the selected uh, coach, next head coach for the Washington Commanders, Adam Peters and Josh Harris announced that we've we've kind of got to that point we've kind of got to that point um over the past few days where you know they've given their their statements their paper statements uh, and just yesterday they gave their introductory press conference but before we get to the intro press conference let's get to our overall thoughts on on uh Dan Quinn in DC uh Caleb you do not need to subscribe to YouTube to call in but it don't hurt to subscribe, brother. <laughs> uh, but nah, you could you could go to the description of the show. You'll see the YouTube link to call in. Um, but we won't be bringing anybody in right now. We gotta get our thoughts off. Uh, but but just stay on hold. Stay in the stay in the the, the background or the, the studio, whatever it's called. Um, and we'll we'll bring you up. Um, uh, but yeah, Drake, what do you what do you think about Dan Quinn and and the Commanders hire uh, or the decision to bring him on? I mean. I liked hearing about the process of it, obviously. Um, I mean, going into it, I don't think any Washington commander fan would have said Dan Quinn was their favorite choice or was the was the guy that they absolutely wanted. Me personally, I never really had a favorite going into this process. I know we had talked about this a few times. I was like, look, I'm, I just want to look at all the candidates because, I mean, the thing is about looking for a head coach. You're either going to pick a guy that hasn't done it before or you're going to pick a guy that has failed before. <laughs> so, you know, you got to kind of pick your poison with that. So, you know, and we've been barren because we've actually made these kind of hires. We've made every kind of hire you can imagine at the head coach. We've hired the young up and coming candidates like the Jay Gruden's. We've hired the retreads, you know, and all of them has failed here, you know, but obviously that was under Dan Snyder. So now it feels like, you know, you got to kind of trust the guys that's making the decisions at this point because we haven't we we, we got to at least give them benefit of doubt. You know, that's at least the approach I'm taking. So that's why I didn't hate any of the guys on the list. Like it, it didn't disappoint me that they landed at Dan Quinn, because, again, I didn't know what happened with the process before. I didn't know how they got to the process of getting to Dan Quinn. But now you look at it and you see everything. and It's like, all right, I like how they chose it, you know, at least. You know, but with Dan Quinn, obviously he had his stint with the Falcons that a lot of people want to point back to. But some of that, you know, you got to kind of give context to situations. It has to be kind of a gray area. Like fans will go, oh, you know, it's only black and white. Oh, he failed as uh, the Falcons. He didn't win a Super Bowl and he ended up flunking out. Why do we want this guy? But you got to kind of do a deep dive into why did that guy fail? Did he learn from his decisions? You know, is he coming back with a chip on his shoulder? You know, those are the kind of things. And Dan Quinn kind of checks all those boxes so far, at least, you know, from what he said. Obviously, we got to wait till the action goes into place to see what exactly he has learned or what he's going to fix going forward. But for, to be honest, man, I mean, I'm kind of excited for the new era. I mean, Dan Quinn, I mean, what he did with the Cowboys, <laughs> you know, like they they were creating turnovers. They were causing havoc on that defense. We got to watch them close for the last couple of years, and they were a pain in our ass. I mean, they embarrassed you, especially when they embarrassed you. It was defensively they embarrassed you. I mean, these guys were, you know, getting the pick sixes. They were making life hell for offenses. We seen how they did Taylor Heineke that game last year. Like, Taylor Heineke didn't learn an NFL quarterback at all against that defense. 
So, I mean, like I said, we got to give the guy a chance at least. You know, it could be different here. I mean, he obviously has a different GM here. It seems to be some kind of structure as to who's going to be, you know, making the decisions and whatnot um, as far as personnel. And he's going to get the coach the team. So, I mean, I'm excited going forward, man. Yeah, um, I I did have a favorite. Raheem Morris was my my 1A. Um, And I don't – I don't think Quinn was so far down on my list, but he wasn't number two. And technically he wasn't number three because McDonald would have been my third if I'm remembering everything right. Um, but I think the, the bottom line, and I've said this on the show for sure, uh, was that I was a person, um, and shout out to Will bringing up uh Glover Glover Quinn. I keep calling him Glover. Um oh it's not Glover. Uh, I thought it was Glover. <laughs> bro, see there it go. There it go. I do I it, thought it was time. Glover. I call him yeah, both. Like, I do both, bro. Glover, I'm Glover to seemed too obvious, bro. Like Glover seemed way too obvious. I think it, I think it's I think it's Glover, bro. Uh I'm gonna okay. stay in 10 toes on that. And if I if I mess up again, god goddamn, I don't think he's gonna come we, back. We, we gotta get that right. We might have we, we might have him back That's what I'm saying. We gotta get that right. <laughs> that's what i'm saying um okay where's that oh all right so so like my thing was um it was always about leadership right and and i think that for for washington they even said it peters and josh harris it was leadership traits being able to communicate being able to to do all these things and and while i um Actually, not even a while. I don't want to. I don't want to phrase what I was about to say this way. But I think from the beginning, what we've heard from reports, and I think what people did in their mind was kind of like sweep it under the rug. But we've known, whether we like it or not, that Dan Quinn was a part of the process all along. He was always one of their top choices. Uh, the list that came out that we come to know, those were their top choices. And and Dan Quinn was always there from the jump. And, and I think what what really is important when you think about these things is um, now I don't know. I don't remember where I heard this part from. But one of the first calls that that was made once Ron Rivera got fired was to Dan Quinn to interview or his interest to interview. And, and I think that's that's just as important, because like when if you're getting the call, you're one of the first people to get the call like word of mouth like that spread is quick like these people knew who you were they knew the type of person you were so they had to see this first and foremost like i gotta tap in with dan quinn and see like what type of person he is and he killed it off rip in his interview like his first interview right um and, and i think obviously he ended up getting the second one but i think um when you think about those those key pieces in terms of like even bringing someone in uh then you do the background work in terms of who Dan is and like he has more of a resume than a person that you know backed out of his second coaching cycle or his second straight coaching cycle to stay in Detroit right and and I'm not saying that as a slight I'm literally saying like he's a young coordinator in Ben Johnson but his track record in Dan Quinn stands 10 plus years and and for him to have a, a track record of, of somebody who like your superstars are saying glowing things about you. Uh, your your coordinator, excuse me, your assistant coaches are willing to follow you wherever you go, 
right? You snagged Joe Witt Jr., who apparently was supposed to be the next coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. You snagged him to go to, to come and be your defensive coordinator in Washington, right? And who knows what's going to happen with Al Harris. Um, and the reason why I think that's something to follow because you don't know what Ron Rivera or Mike Zimmer allegedly, if those are the two top candidates, um, that's that's what I'm hearing right now. You don't know what they're going to do with their what, what they want to do with their staff. Um, so Al Harris may still be on board in terms of leaving uh, and, or being able to seek other opportunities elsewhere. So all of that being said with Dan Quinn, I don't necessarily have a super high opinion of him yet. Right. I think people think about uh, his his previous stops in in terms of Seattle and Atlanta and even Dallas to that extent. Um, you know, I don't. Well, specifically, let's go to Atlanta. Um, you know, it was an up and down tenure, right? You do make the Super Bowl, and the very next year you make it to the playoffs in uh, in a tight contested game where you it, it really came down to one play uh, at the end of the game. For Atlanta, where you have an opportunity to make it to, I think it was a conference championship game, that uh, conference championship round, if they beat Philadelphia, I don't remember per se. Um, but and all, like you have these moments where you know you see you see some success, but you don't know why it failed. You don't know exactly everything that occurred that went to uh, a spiral and ultimately leading him to get fired. But at the end of the day, like just like Raheem Morris and the reason why I wanted him, you think about every single thing that you did to get back to where you were, to get back to that point where you're another candidate uh, for head coaching, right? You take these lessons, you take these lumps, and you learn them, and you understand them for X amount of years, and you study them. Dan Quinn, and we'll get into the presser uh, right after this, Dre. Dan, Dan Quinn, matter of fact, let's just mesh it all together right now. But Dan Quinn spoke about all the lessons that he's learned from Atlanta. Uh, he even had a study done. Uh, in my world, it's an audit. Like we we audit ourselves to to understand the 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 good, the bad, and how I can have a more effective output moving forward in my next my next venture. In the event that I do become a head coach down the line again, like all of these things that plug self-awareness but also acknowledging your faults and not hiding from them right i think that is also important so i don't necessarily think that this is a home run hire i think that opinion will occur uh whether it's a good bad or terrible or or excellent or elite i think that'll occur for me in like two years maybe three years like i gotta see how this team is playing but I definitely appreciate everything that he has uh, done to his point to help his career. And I also appreciate, you know, the self-awareness and transparency that that he really wanted this job, that he was hoping that Washington called him, uh, that he killed the interviews, that his resume and his his references speak for themselves. And that he's 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 uh, he, you know, he, he has a structure that he thinks is, is going to be uh, uh most beneficial for success with him and, and Peters. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you, you've been a little bit too rational for this fan base saying that you're going to, you know, uh-huh. wait to judgment for about two to three years. A lot of people don't want to do that. And that's fine. You know, everyone has their approach and how they want to, you know, 
see or perceive this hire. And you're right. It's not a, it's not a home run hire. And I don't think any coaching candidate would have been a home run hire unless he was like a Bill Belichick. Because then that's a guy you could point to and say, yeah, he won this amount of Super Bowls, even if you feel like he isn't fit for your team. But to be able to land someone of that caliber, you can say that. But any other coach in the market, as I said before, you even haven't done it before or you didn't do well the first time, you know? So, and that's why I'm glad you, you know, brought up the press conference because that's what I took from the press conference. The same thing you took from it. It was the self-awareness. It was the reflection from Dan Quinn. And even the article, I think Albert Breer, I I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think Albert Breer put the article out yesterday, you know, kind of detailing how the search or the process went. And he mentioned how Dan Quinn had hired a um, firm. He, He hired a firm to talk about, or at least tell him what he did wrong with the Falcons in, in, in his process. To me, that's someone who's checking his ego. And, and, and that's someone who you can see why he gets the reports of, oh, his players uh, love them. And by the way, <laughs> Ron Rivera's tenure, you know, man, it, it was so bad, at least, or at least in fans' minds, that it's now a bad thing to hear how great or how well-liked your coach is. You know, because that's people are angry or they don't want to hear how well liked the Dan Quinn is at this point. And that's not a bad thing. It's just Ron's era didn't go the way we wanted it to go to the point that fans are like, man, I don't want to hear shit about how great he was like. You know, that that means nothing. That was Ron Rivera. That's everything they said about Ron. And that doesn't mean Ron was a bad coach, but Ron did a lot of things here that Dan Quinn won't be doing. Like, Ron was pretty much playing GM, CEO, you know, and then he went through cancer, and maybe that made his brain foggy. It was so many different things that Ron was dealing with that affected what he was able to do in as far as just coaching. Dan Quinn won't be doing that. Dan Quinn's coming here to coach the football team, and Dan Quinn is coming in with a self-awareness. He's already told you this already. Hey, man, I'm, I've looked at everything. You know, I've seen what I've did wrong, and just hearing all the people that come out to his defense, all the people that like him, it makes you feel like the guy's genuine people don't uh, a lot of people don't come out and like fake people so if, if all of these people are coming out and saying good things about dan quinn i'm inclined to believe that dan quinn is genuine with his words you know and, and that he is the leader that yeah, they were seeking it. you know yeah and, and that's the uh-huh. thing they were seeking a leader and dan quinn you can't question that at least you know because the guys went to the Super Bowl before. I mean, you don't just get to the Super Bowl in a scrub. I don't care what you do. I mean, he has to lead those guys to that point. And another thing about Dan Quinn that kind of speaks to the type of person he is, he's not afraid to hire a staff that's a strong staff in a sense because we know a lot of coaches. I think we kind of went through this with Jay Gruden. I don't know how much influence Jay Gruden had over his staff or Bruce Allen, but it, it felt like it felt like he wasn't going to hire anybody that could challenge him to take his spot. And that's what you don't want. And Dan Quinn doesn't seem like he's scared to hire talent at coaching. And we already see that with Cliff Kingsbury. He's brought in Cliff Kingsbury. You know, this guy has a great reputation. And and I don't know if we're going to, you know, kind of delve into that a little bit more, that hire a little bit more. But you love to see that he's going out there. And that's another thing in the press conference. That just reminded me. He he brought up with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury that he hired Cliff Kingsbury because he respected him as a competitor. He said, when I went now, against Cliff Kingsbury, you, you, what, what, yeah, no, I was just going to say that to me says that's a guy that, you you know, that's a leader because he's like, man, that dude. And he was actually 0-2 against Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury won both matches against Dan Quinn's teams. But he looked at uh, Cliff Kingsbury. That's not a friend. You know, this is not my buddy. That's a competitor. And I respected what he did as, as, as a competitor. And I want him to join me. 
And I said this on Twitter yesterday. I love that because a lot of coaches rather go with people they know. And like, man, that's my buddy, or I worked with him before. I'm going to bring that guy in. Dan Quinn said, no, I want to bring that guy in that I couldn't beat. You know, that guy that I respected what he drew up. (laughs) I want to put something out there, man. That's a little... That pushes back on that, but also I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a counter, and I'm gonna give a, a something that that uh, helps that comment, right? So the counter for me is like, was that the only reason why you got Cliff in? Like, because I feel like if you got Cliff in, because you you know him, but you know him enough to the point where you couldn't beat him. Like, what does that mean? For for what does that mean for your offense like do you do you have an identity that you want this offense to be because um you know even if you aren't calling the plays offensively and your hands off like you still want to have some type of makeup where you know if you have this coach where you know they aren't good with time of possession or they aren't necessarily uh you you don't know and these are all hypotheticals and the counter arguments. So don't kill me. I'm I'm giving I'm giving people uh bits and pieces to, to just do some critical thinking. Um and 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 say like this offense hasn't been modernized yet, right? Like sure he beats you twice, but he wasn't successful in the NFL. Like he his offenses and his overall his teams weren't that impressive. So what made you think that? He could be OC for you, right? And that's the counter argument. The one that supports what you just said, Dre, I think about Jay Gruden, right? And I think about that interview that he had with Wade Phillips. And I think about... (laughs) Jay Gruden went in the interview, bro, and showed all the successful plays against Wade Phillips. And uh, I think when he was with Cincinnati, bro, and said, what was you thinking here, bro? And just didn't hire him, bro. Like, out of the words of Wade Phillips, bro, like Wade Phillips spoke on this interview. And I, I try to find it if I can. Maybe if y'all are watching him, uh, I, if y'all are watching, y'all can try and look it up. But, like, the counter argument is, like, there are people out there who don't want people who beat them. Like, and 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 that's kind of the thing. Like, some people don't have that humility. Uh, so there are some different things to think about when 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 I heard that statement, I was I was like, I, I, I don't I, I don't know about this one just yet. Um, granted, I don't have an overall opinion on Cliff because I'm giving every single person here uh, the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't I don't think that somebody's going to succeed or fail based on the moves here. I think to add on to your point, Dre, what I really like about Quinn is that he is. Like Joe Witt, according to some people that I that Dallas fans that I know for sure, like they call him basic. They they call Witt basically Quinn's right hand man, right? Like, uh, but he's I, and in in a sense he's followed him in three different stops now, right? So uh, uh, Atlanta, yeah, yeah, he Dallas, Washington. So yep. he's followed him to three different stops now, and he's going to give uh, Joe Witt from the pressure what we understand uh uh the play calling duties right so he's gonna have the opportunity to make things shake on that side of the ball and that's a person that you trust and that's a person that you're willing to give that leash to right away right compared to a person matter of fact ben mcdonald ben mcdonald mike mcdonald in seattle i remember his pressure 
he said that he was going to start off calling plays and maybe down the line he'll give somebody play calling duties. So, like, he's coming in and he's saying, yeah, I'm going to take control of this defense. Dan Quinn not even worried about that. He's like, all right, Whit, you got the defense. Cliff Kingsbury, oh, by the way, Benny, nice to meet you, brother. Got to let you go. Um, yeah, I already got your ticket, bro. I mean, you going back. Where you going, matter of fact? All right, well, you can take this ticket to the to the to will to wherever you and, and see if you can exchange it. But I got a ticket for you. Just clear your office before the pressure's over with. You know what I'm saying? Nice to meet you. I put in a good word for you. You know, coaching circle huge. I'm gonna tell them that the coaching circle huge, and I got a lot of respect for you. But I'm gonna go ahead and get my man Cliff in. Matter of fact, I you already knew about Cliff. It was announced before I met you. Um, <laughs> but you bring Cliff in, and and Cliff the same deal as Joe Witt. You uh you give him that opportunity to run his run the ship offensively, and I think that's the big thing when you think about uh head coaches is like, all right, I'm gonna get people in here that I trust, and and regardless of if it goes right or wrong, right, I'll give them that leash. But the hope is on my end is Quinn is in control of if something isn't going right, he's ahead of the curve. He's proactive and not reactive. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. And, and see, Maul, that's that was going to be the counter argument that I was going to bring. And that was actually a good counter argument for you to bring as far as the, you know, the dynamic between Quinn and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Now, Quinn, his role, and this is what I want to see out of Quinn when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, sure, yes, you're giving Cliff Kingsbury the keys to the offense. Cliff Kingsbury, by all accounts, I mean, and just you, you can go through his resume. I mean, Google's there. Cliff Kingsbury, he can run a successful offense. He, he's a hell of a play designer. But uh, Quinn's role for me has to, and if he's the leader that people say he is, he's the one that has to ring Cliff in in certain situations. Now, one of the criticisms about Cliff Kingsbury is that his run game is kind of pedestrian. Richard Sherman actually said that um, on a show yesterday, you know, that, you know, he, he loves yeah, Cliff Kingsbury as a play designer, but he's also, um, the, the run game's pedestrian. Maybe he doesn't run it enough. Maybe the run designs aren't enough. But as, as your leader, as his supervisor, as his boss, Dan Quinn has to say, hey, man, I love what you do. You know, you could draw up some pass designs. You could draw up some pass plays. But, hey, man, you know, we also need to run the ball, too, and I need you to be able to draw up something for that as well. Or in games, Dan Quinn's role as the leader is going to be like, hey, this isn't working right now, Cliff. We need to go to this. And that's what Dan Quinn's role has to be, and he has to do that in a way that he can connect with Cliff, and Cliff can trust him. I mean, and that's the biggest thing. It's the trust. It's the trust between everyone in the, uh, the coaching staff. It's the trust in leadership. It's the trust in management. Like, I, I know everyone has – um you know, single goals. Like Cliff is a guy, I mean, obviously he's been a head coach before. He's been at different stops before. Maybe he has greater ambition. I don't know what his ambition is at this point, but Dan Quinn, and I think they hired him for this reason, is his ability to connect and to bring everyone together and everyone to share that kind of vision. And that's what I'm looking mm -hmm. for from Dan. Like I said, you know, we, we, we don't want Cliff going rogue. And I think a lot of people probably felt like that about Eric Bieniemy this year. A lot of people probably felt like Eric Bieniemy went a little rogue this year as far as how we're going to handle Sam Howell, how we're going to give him a lot of pass plays. And then Ron was kind of lax. 
You know, so one of the things with Dan is how is he going to be able to manage and control his staff? Is everyone going to be on, you know, one page? Can Dan have that final voice that everyone kind of looks for? And that's what the leadership role is in this. And I think Dan even kind of mentioned this in the press conference as far as, man, you know, I'm going to have to roll with clock management. I don't think that was uh, one of his strong suits in Atlanta. I think he had a bit of an issues with the clock management thing. We kind of seen that with this last regime that was in here. The clock management was an issue. But that's one of the roles of, of a leader. You know, that's one of the roles of a head coach, especially, you know, if you've got other guys kind of doing the play calling and, you know, the coordinators and whatnot. And, and talking about, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, mm -hmm. this is why I actually love the hire of uh, Joe Witt. Because for me, if you, if you bring in a guy, especially if defense is your specialty, which it is for Dan Quinn, you want to bring in someone that kind of sees the philosophy or sees the things that you see and you trust them to call the game the way you want them to call it. And we actually had the opposite, kind of the flip, you know, reverse role with the last regime, not to keep kind of harping on that, but like Ron Rivera hired Scott Turner, who he knew on offense, but Ron Rivera's not an offensive guy. We know that Ron Rivera's a defensive guy, but he let Scott Turner run the offense. And Scott had never done that before. I mean, he had only did it for, I think, like three or four games with Carolina before. He had never had an extended or expansive role as an offensive coordinator, whereas on the defensive side, he went Jack Del Rio. He didn't have a work, working relationship with Jack Del Rio, you know, so him and Jack Del Rio's philosophies could have been a bit different. Point. Now, Jack Del Rio, yeah, Jack Del Rio was successful at every stop he went at, you know, but he had never worked with Ron Rivera. So their philosophies or the way they see defense could be a bit different. And that's where you, you can have a bit of a disconnect. Whereas here, it's the exact opposite. Dan Quinn doesn't focus on offense. He went out and got a guy he really respects. And he told us that he respects it on offense because he game planned against this guy before and it was really tough to defend. But on the defensive side, he's hiring a guy that has been with him. He's hiring a guy that he's partnered with before and a guy that receives his vision and they, they share philosophies on defense. So every, so there should be no excuses for who's on the same page. So for me, that yeah. it all comes back to Dan Quinn, the leader. Like Dan Quinn being the guy that ties everyone in to buy into what they're doing. And that's really important going forward. Yeah. Um. Before I go right quick, I see some of y'all in um the the backstage. I think that's what it's called. Um. If you all want to join the show, uh, the link is in the YouTube description. Some people are saying it's not there, so I don't necessarily know what's going on. But here it is as well. Um. But yeah, it's right there. Uh. So you all can try to join up if you want to give your thoughts. Uh. On that side. Uh, we'll be taking the calls in a second. Um, Dre, one thing that you mentioned, you said that you, you don't want to keep harping back on the, the old regime, but I also think that's important because um, people have been trying to compare Dan Quinn to Ron Rivera, like Ron Rivera 2.0. So I think outlining the differences, even in its small details, right, are just as important as is uh, trying to distinguish the difference between those two coaches. So um, those were some some pretty good nuggets. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, do you think it matters if uh, – let me bring my question so I can be exact because I put it in our show notes, brother. Does it matter to you where Quinn did or didn't rank amongst the front office? Does that make a difference to you? So, yeah, and I'm actually glad you actually brought that up, Maul, because 
this for me, and I've been thinking about this, and I've you know I listen to a lot of different you know um, of the guys, the radio guys, and all of the people who have kind of you know a little bit of sources, a little bit of connections, and I think fans got too caught up into what they were hearing in reports. And obviously the reports were that Ben Johnson was the top guy. He was the guy that everyone was going after, or he was the, he was the guy that was supposed to be the guy, you know? And I think a lot of fans that kind of made their mind up about Ben Johnson before the process even started, like, Oh yeah. But then the reports didn't help. So now fans are trying to compare this to the Jim Zorn coaching search. You know, they're, they're, they're bringing up their whole man. Fossil was like their fifth or sixth option from, Everything I've heard, nothing about that is true. Even everything that's came out after. And I know, you know, and, and that's the thing. And I don't, I don't know if we're getting into Ben Johnson, but this is kind of tied into the point I'm trying to make. What are you talking ben about? Johnson. Yeah, but no. And Ben Johnson's decision, I hate it for the reason. One of the reasons I hate it. Obviously, he's a grown man. He can make whatever decision he can make. The decision he made and how he how he made the decision is what gets me. I don't care that he stayed with Detroit. It's how he did it. It's the perception. And how he did it, we never know what would have actually happened had he not did it the way he did it. Like, even if they interview Ben, maybe he goes and say, hey, you know, I don't want to actually do this, but I'm, I'm still going to do the interview. And then whatever happens after that happens. But the way he did it while Washington was in the air has everyone thinking – Washington was going to hire him that day. We don't know if Washington was going to have him that day. But Bro, that was the thought. Just to saying. add, yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't. You can keep going. I I, I yeah. think my thing mm-hmm. to add, bro. Like it was a report that it was his agent who sent the text. He didn't even talk to to them people. It was the agent who told him he wasn't going to do it. His agent told him that, bro. He ain't even talk to him. Right. Right. And, and that that's that's. I mean, that's childish to me. That's not how you handle handle business. But the problem with that is everyone assumes that because Washington was on that flight that they were going to hire Ben Johnson. And because that didn't happen and because Ben Johnson did what he did, now it looks like Washington scrambled and pivoted and was desperate to hire Dan Quinn. So that kind of adds fuel to the fire. And that's one of the things I don't like because what we've heard, from every account, and this was before we even heard that Ben Johnson had spurned the commanders, brass, whatever. We heard the week before that Dan Quinn was higher on the candidate list. We, we heard the Dan Quinn interview well, and we knew this because as a fan base, people were getting nervous that Dan Quinn might get the mm-hmm. job because he was getting so much good publicity, you know, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. So they thought highly of Ben for, I mean, they thought highly of Quinn before Ben Johnson mm-hmm. spurned them. But no one cares about that at this point because they look at it as, oh, Ben Johnson spurned them. That was choice number one. And they had to settle and get desperate for Dan Quinn. And we don't know that to be the truth because they invited all of the guys that they interviewed for one interview with the Zoom interviews that they were doing for everyone. All of the people that did one Zoom interview got a second in-person interview. And so we, we don't know. I mean, and we even sort of stories about Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris was on their list. He had a great interview with the team. But Raheem Morris was not waiting around for the commanders because Raheem Morris obviously had another job offer. He took that job offer. But the commanders stayed true to their process. To me, that, Wait, that says, you know, yeah, go ahead. It's important to note, just, just to add on yeah. to this whole conversation with Quint, bro. Like when people, the, the most frustrating thing, Dre, that that bothers me, and and I've been trying to, I've been hearing it from Detroit Lions fans over the past few days, bro. Like 
my thing is like i get y'all trying to defend y'all coordinator right but we're talking about professionalism and we're talking about a person who's probably based on how he operated well uh uh and well within the right of others to perceive him as one of the most unprofessional individuals that you can deal with and that you may not be able to trust him moving forward. Sure, he's going to get interviews, right? But Raheem, and the reason why I bring this up and why it's so important, give you a baseline of what professionalism looks like. Raheem gets the interview. You said it. He does well in Washington, right? Now, after his Washington interviews, he has two more interviews set up. He goes to Atlanta. Atlanta offers him the job. He calls Washington back. He says, bro, I got this job offer. Uh, is there a way that you can do? Can I? What's up? Because they just they just offered me the job. He's, Washington says we're going to continue this process, but I'll let you know what's going on, whatever, whatever. And, and Raheem says, cool, I'm going to go ahead and do what I got to do. He's the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Like, that is professionalism within this sense. Like, I'm calling back to let you know what's going on. Now, granted, sure, they were just in a championship game. You have two days for an interview, but that doesn't matter, bro. Like, at the end of the day, you knew. It don't matter if they're going up to see you and Aaron Glenn, but you had to have known beforehand uh, that you were that you probably wasn't feeling this. So why would you call them on the flight there and tell them that you're done? Instead of like going through the process and saying, look, man, this was this was I appreciate your interest. All these other things. I'm not interested. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay in Detroit. I had a change of mind this morning. Right. Uh, or you tell them the night before or the day before that you're not interested. Like you don't just you don't just wake up and just say, yeah, never mind. And that's kind of where like the this disparity, bro, like people like uh, 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 people on social media think that watch. Now, granted, there is a question about like who's who's coming out with this information on Washington side, like adamant about him not interviewing well. I don't agree with the, the shorty in Tampa Bay who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not not with what she said, but but the what the quote that she got about like Washington are are bas- basketball people and they're arrogant and stuff like that. What does that have to do with anything uh with with the current situation? Let alone that was some childish shit, bro. That was childish. That was very childish, mom. <laughs> let alone the let alone the fact that this rumor about you has been has exist, bro. AJ has been on this show and he said something back in December and nobody paid attention to him, which is why I retweeted the shit out of every single thing that I could on every single account because he said this in December before it even got to this to this point that he was in, he wasn't interviewing well in in 2022. So what AJ is that like? Why are we? But but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna acknowledge that, and I think that's the that's one of the more frustrating things because nobody's taking into account that this this started before Washington interviewed him, and that's the problem because people gonna people take that you know Washington could and that's why I say this is why I come back to Ben Johnson the way he handled this because had he not handled this. We we may have, or at least if he handled this like an adult, you know, say, hey, he takes the interview anyway, maybe, or he he like you said, he communicates the day before, I'm not interested in the job. Cool, you're going to a different direction. But now because they were mid-flight and the way they handled this, everything looks like oh, every they were going there to hire Ben Johnson, and that's what everyone thinks. That's the public perce- perception at this point. But then you make these reports like the Tampa Bailey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah, I, I never I'm sorry. Heard before. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay lady. <laughs> You're not a shorty. That's just how yeah. I talk. 
No, respectfully. <laughs> Res- respectfully, it, it's a Maryland, it's a DMV thing. But no, I mean, yeah, and, and it's it's all about perception at this point. And it just comes down to everyone sees that Washington, and, and then especially the reports that came out. Now, we, we don't know. If we wouldn't have hired Ben Johnson, these reports are likely to come out anyway. Because as you said, Maul, these were reports before. This wasn't anything new. It was just something that people chose to ignore. But it was out there that Ben Johnson was a strong interview before. You know, but now it looks like sour grapes. You know, it looks like you're coming out and you're mudslinging now because you didn't get the guy. So anything that's this is why I'm like, hey, Washington, whatever happened with Ben, you just go, you go on your own way. We don't need to see anything else. But now they're getting blamed because the reporters are still putting out their articles. Like I said, Diana Rossini, she put out an article yesterday. She probably had that article in the drafts on Friday. You know, she probably got all her quotes last week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. About how everything went down, but it got published on Monday, and it looks like Washington is mudslinging, and Washington is not over it. No, the bro, I'm, I'm sorry, no, the lady just put out the report, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> on Monday. So that that's the thing. So it looks like people's not over it. So that's all people are looking at. They're looking at the perception of everything right now, you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't look good for Washington, but who cares at this point? To me, I think Washington got their guy. Like I was saying, like the, the original point I was making, Washington hired Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn's always high on Washington's list. He may have never been high on fans' list. Like Dan Quinn was not high on fans' list. But fans lists aren't GM or front offices list. Like they they are they've said from at least day one, and people with legit sources have said that Dan Quinn was always high for them. Dan Quinn always was looked upon for them. And then you look in the you know the whole process, and everyone said that Dan Quinn checked off all of the interview boxes. You know, Dan Quinn was there with it. So, you know, it, but the public perception is that they kind of settled and they kind of just landed and pivoted to Dan Quinn. And I don't think that's fair or true at all. But, hey, it is what it is, man. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and get to the call. DT, man, I see you, big dog. We're going to go ahead and get uh, DT in, man, and, and get his thoughts on uh, anything Commanders related. Let me go ahead and the boom there we go uh boom what's going on with you big dog how you feeling bro feeling good man feeling good what's up baby what's going on with you trying to trying to stay away from some lesson plans for a little bit try to talk some commanders football though you try to pause here for this (laughs) now that's what we're here for bro let us know what you what you thinking about uh matter of fact the floor is yours man you gotta i don't i don't know what's on your mind man let us know what you're thinking yeah so um you know, they, they had two solid hires so far on the coordinator side. You got Joe Witt, you know, a guy that's been, you know, very renowned around the league, um, coached some great defensive backs. And you got Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, coming back to the NFL after a year in USC. So how do y'all feel about those two hires right there? And what are your thoughts about, like, Kingsbury, you know, being the OC for Washington? I took a stab first. Oh, wait, yeah, I was just going to say no. I mean, actually – and I did a deep dive into Cliff Kingsbury, obviously. he This man has run a successful offense everywhere he went, man. Like, everywhere he's been. I mean, from Houston to Texas A&M. He was only at Texas A&M for one year. And that one year, 
Johnny Manziel. That's the Heisman year. That's why we know who Johnny Manziel is today. I'm not going to attribute it all to Cliff Kingsbury, but that's something great to have under your resume. Now, obviously, he went to Houston for the next couple of years, and a lot of people will tell you that's one of the best offenses, like most efficient or successful offenses that you've probably seen in college football history. You know, I mean, that, that offense was top five, even number one maybe a year or so um, out there. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's a tech, I mean, I'm sorry, that was Texas Tech because he was at Houston first. Yeah. But Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes, that offense was amazing. I mean, that that was with – he even had a quarterback that made it to the NFL. He didn't get a big name for himself. But Davis Webb, he's actually a coach now. But there, yeah, I mean, that was his quarterback. Yeah, Davis Webb before Patrick Mahomes. So he had success with that guy. He had success with Patrick Mahomes. He had success at Tech without Patrick Mahomes on offense. And now obviously that's when he goes to Arizona. I mean, then people look at his Arizona state and they're looking at wins and losses. And that's one of the things I hate when you do, when you're looking at a guy that's coordinating a team, but you're saying, hey, well, he wasn't successful as a head coach. Well, we're not hiring him to be a head coach. We're hiring him to run an offense. And he runs offense successfully. And even at Arizona, he got two Pro Bowl years out of Calamari. And we all saw the reports out of Calamari. When he signed that big contract, he had a clause in his contract that said, he has to study a certain amount of film. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that means the Kyler Mary was doing all of this without kind of actually going through studying and doing what he needed to do. But he was still able to work with this young kid and get him to a place to get him the contract that he got. I know things didn't end as well as they would have liked it to end. But still, the fact that he was able to work with this kid and get him the name, you know, and 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 be successful to make these Pro Bowls and have a successful offense. Both of those offenses, by the way, were top 10 offenses before the last year. So, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury can run an offense. He's not coming here to run the team. He's coming here to run the offense. He's coming here to design the offense. And he's coming here under a very respected leader. So, I mean, that's a to me, that's a home run hire. I mean, it's not going to be completed for the home run until we see the results. I mean, on paper, that's one that you have to say, hey, man, I'm a little excited about that. Defensively, again, I brought this up earlier, Joe Wood Jr. It's a guy that's been with Dan Quinn. I mean, obviously, these two has had success together. They've been at three different stops together, and they, you know, they 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 create something. And Joe Witt can run Dan Quinn's defense. Like Dan Quinn, you know, he can he can keep his eye on the defense. But what Joe Witt allows him to do, it allows him to be able to focus on everything versus one side of the football because he knows that Joe Witt knows what he likes. He knows that he trusts Joe Witt to run the defense that he wants to run. So now Dan doesn't have to just look there. Dan Quinn can keep his eyes on every aspect of the football team. And that's what you want out of your head coach. You don't want your head coach to just kind of look at one side of the football field because that's his specialty. As a head coach, he has to be able to manage every aspect, I mean, not even just offense or defense, but also special teams. So that's why I love the Joe Witt hire because it's an extension of Dan Quinn. Um, I, honestly, I don't have a, a too detailed opinion on it just yet not on him uh i I think also wit has this resume he's because he's i mean he he has a resume on his own but he's also been with quinn like the last three stops um i think you think about the secondaries in dallas um over the last three years in particular and you think about uh the amount of play that they've been able to make uh just from uh a couple things from a communication standpoint uh being on point in terms of what they're seeing and being being able to pass things off properly, uh, but also uh, making plays from the standpoint of actually like 
uh, ball hooks, like people who are attacking the football when they have those opportunities, uh, not being afraid to make those plays, right? Um, now, I don't think that's going to magically <laughs> – I don't think that's going to magically make some of our DBs catch the football, uh, right? But at the same time, uh, when you see better and you process better, uh, you could you could see a football, theoretically, you could see a football better. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of see how that unfolds. Uh, and then the same thing with Cliff. Um, I do think with, with everything that Dre said, I understand. Um, and, and I don't know uh, – where the true weak point is, I do know uh, that they are under Cliff when he was with Arizona. Um, and I, I want to make sure that this is, is noted because this is important. Um, you know, we made a big emphasis last season. Everybody did about pre-snap motions and how that wasn't really utilized effectively. It didn't mess well with the offense heading into last year, right, with Scott Turner. Yeah. Um, and Eric Bieniemy did a did a uh, 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 he was here and there with it, but he did it more than Scott Turner did. And and I think one of the the pre snap now pre snap motion is just one aspect to an effic- efficient offense in the NFL. But pre snap motion really helps out your quarterback, uh, and also can help out other other players in your offense too. But more importantly, the quarterback, especially a younger guy, right? Um, yeah. and and I think for for the enemy, he he did it enough. But Cliff Cur- Cliff Kingsbury, when he was in Arizona, was probably one of the worst uh, or or the lowest ranked coordinators or play callers who used it. And and I think when you think about things like that, um, in terms of where your receivers line up, wherever their position is, is probably where they're going to line up the entire uh, day or the entire game. And that's something to think about too, like. Um, how quickly can a defense catch up to Cliff Kingsbury, right? How quickly can a defense catch up to the commander's offense? I don't know who's that quarterback. Uh, we it's, it's January or February. So maybe you have a Jaden, maybe you have a Caleb, uh, and maybe you have a special talent back there who can overcome uh, a defense uh, covering well, right? Uh, because they can make, they can make shit shake after the play breaks down. Um, but I will say from that counter from, or from that instance or that, no uh, observation you think about um deandre hopkins you think about hollywood brown you think about christian kirk you think about um ronday moore no um i know i know rondell but uh he ain't he wasn't he hasn't he's not really like that special receiver but it's a fourth guy that i'm thinking about that i'm drawing a blank on right now um but I, I name those in particular because those are people who shined in his offense um, and they all had different roles. And, and that's where I think about like from your receiver standpoint, you know, if you're good, you're going to eat. Like those are already talented receivers, the three that I named for sure. Those are three talented receivers and they, they flourished in the Cliff Queensbury offense. Right. And then you get Zach Ertz the one year they went like 11 and six or something like that. Zach Ertz eight, two. Um, but I don't know how well he'll use a tight end in this offense. Maybe if you have a dominant tight end, it could, it could work well. Um, but to that point, like your receivers are going to eat if they're good. And I think that's really good news for Terry. I think that's really good news for Jahan. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Curtis, but you're, you're going to have to find at least two more receivers in order to make this shit shake. With, hey, with. Lamar, remember, I was going to say Dan Quinn 
in his press conference when they asked him about the personnel that you know kind of stood out to him and jumped out to him. The only group he named outside of the defense was the wide receivers. So that means they must like the prospect. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone would like Terry, but then you got Jahan who had a disappointing season that he just had. And you wouldn't have, you know, I, I don't know what, what the public perception or at least the AJ the Green. NFL sorry, sorry to cut you off. AJ Green. AJ was my Green. Guy. Yes, yes. I had to, yeah, I, I, I had to scout him that year. He was averaging 15 yards right. a catch. Um, no, 16. <laughs> I'm gonna round it up. He was 15.7, 16 yards a catch at 30 fucking <laughs> yeah. three years old, bro. But yeah, just to finish up, I mean, that's that's the thing. So maybe they already kind of view, man, Washington already got some talent here, wide receiver. And this is kind of big for the Cliff Kingsbury offense. So who knows? So, DC, we do got somebody behind you. So I want to make sure I want to get your opinion. And, and Dre, we can kind of mess this in because it's part of our it's part of our topic list. But uh where are where's my question? Okay. So do we think that um with the cliff the cliff hire? That QB one, that decision has been influenced in a sense. Uh, do we think that there's going to be? Because I mean, obviously, as we know, when Cliff got hired here, number two overall pick, even Adam Schefter tweeted it um, that the spe- speculation is going to begin about Caleb Williams. What do you all think about that notion of like Caleb to to DC because Cliff is here? Uh, what's y'all opinion on that? DC, you got the floor first. You the guess. Yeah, sure. So. You know, you, you hear stuff like that, and it's, it's definitely, you know, something to really think about. You know, Cliff was probably this close to being the Raiders OC until he didn't get the, the year that he wanted. And, you know, Magic Johnson swoops in and said, hey, brother, go go ahead, come to D.C. a little bit. Come come to Chocolate City. You know, we got some got some things down here. But um, I, I do think it's some type of influence, but they're not trying to make it much of an influence. I think they still want to do due diligence because, in my opinion, I still think the three quarterbacks that are being talked about so far, I think all three of them fit this offense and have very good skill sets that can make it a very elite offense potentially. Um, but, you know, the, the main guy is Kayla Williams. You know, Kayla Williams, the D.C. kid, uh, he was a senior offensive analyst at USC under Lincoln Riley. So that's – it's it's going to be something, man. Uh, I'll probably say lean yes, but hold your horses. I still think due diligence is being brought upon this. Look, man, I'm on record for saying that you're not getting Cliff Kingsbury to leave his comforts of the West Coast to come to the East Coast to not entice him with drafting his own guy or at least working with his own quarterback that he can move at the number two pick. I mean, I think that's the most enticing thing to get a guy like Cliff Kingsbury to come over here to be your offensive coordinator. And the fact that, you know, he's not coming into a ready-made situation where he has to get someone to kind of buy into what he wants to do. He's coming into a situation where you don't have a guy at the position already. Like you don't have the, you know, the definitive answer at the position already. Like, I mean, I know Ron Rivera had, you know, went with Sam Howell last year. That was Ron Rivera's experiment. I know a lot of fans kind of latched on to Sam Howell and kind of, you know, we're kind of hoping that maybe, you know, whoever comes in here is going to want to work with him. That was his, that was his last game. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that his, was, uh, that was his, he was like, bro, please, Lord Jesus. Let's say that, that was, look, Mar, that, that was his, that was his Willy Wonka golden ticket to stand around yeah. somewhere. And Ron wants to still yeah, coach. Yeah. Obviously, he's still getting his opportunities out there. But anyway, you know, you're not enticing Cliff Kingsbury by saying, hey, man, you know, we got this guy Sam Howell here, man. Maybe you could fix him. No, Cliff Kingsbury is not going to, you know, uh, come up here and stake his reputation on fixing 
Sam Howell. You know, obviously a guy who, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, fans were kind of looking at Adam Peters and saying, hey, you know, maybe this new regime is going to come in here and they're going to evaluate what we already have. And it's funny because that question was asked yesterday. They asked that question yesterday. Adam Peters, he, he did a great job answering it. It was very vague, but they kind of asked him about the quarterback situation. Yeah, Adam yeah. Peters lied. He gave you some bullshit. Adam Peters, and it was good bullshit. That's what you want. That's the kind of bullshit you want. Adam Peters came out and said, oh, we haven't started to look at the quarterback. We haven't even about, yeah, you did. Adam, you know, damn well, that's the first thing you did before you took this job was evaluate the quarterback position. And the funny thing about that is Adam Peters, he, got it, he, he didn't got his teeth. He didn't got all of his kind of grind as a scout. They already have a scouting report on Sam Howell. They had that scouting report in the 2022 draft. You know, Adam Peters have, has, has he already has a scouting report on Sam, and I'm not sure that anything's that's changed. That's you, a good point. Nothing, yeah, I don't think anything changed, or at least nothing that Sam Howell kind of put on tape probably changed Adam Peters' opinion. So they know what they think about the quarterback position, and that kind of has trickled down. That's 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 been in the court. That's been in the conversations for the head coaches when they've done the interviews. You know, they've talked about this already. So they, they, they don't want to give too much, and that's good because that's good. That will be a competitive disadvantage for them to kind of relay any kind of quarterback plans that they want to do. Get into that. Cliff Kingsbury knows as well. So you're not enticing him with Washington's current quarterback situation. You're enticing Cliff Kingsbury with the prospect that he's getting his guy in this draft right here. And it is your responsibility to develop this guy and work with this guy from scratch. And they kind of get their pick in the litter. I mean, I know Chicago has the number one pick in the draft, but Washington, is it, it has the best chance, if anyone, to trade up with Chicago if, you know, so to speak, they love Caleb Williams, you know, but there's three, it just so happens to be three guys in this draft that a lot of people kind of grade highly. Now there's going to be some guys that say, hey, I love Jaden Daniels more than Drake May. And there's going to be guys that say, I love Drake May more than Jaden Daniels. So you know that conversation is happening right now in the front office. And it's not just about those two, but it's also about Caleb Williams and what it takes to get up to that point. So I think that's what kind of gets you with Cliff Kingsbury. DC, any any last things on the QB talk? I, I'm gonna answer, but I'm gonna make sure we get uh the next guest up here. Uh, but you got any last thoughts on the on the QB talk, big dog? Uh nah, man. I mean, I, I like all three quarterbacks, you know. I especially been watching Jaden since his time at Arizona State. Um, I knew about mm -hmm. um Drake May, of course, he replaced Sam Howell, but um, you know, the eye of the prize is Kayla Williams, and that you will cap off a crazy offseason if you get Kayla Williams to DC, bro. That's all I gotta say. There it is, man. Hey, DT, appreciate you checking in, calling in, big dog, man. Yes, Hopefully, we see you around when these um, I, I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I want to try and do these every every Tuesday, but um, I guess we'll see what what the guest lineup look like. But appreciate you checking in, big dog. I appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. Yes, sir. Appreciate you too, boy. man. All right. So, uh, for me, Dre, um, and we'll get our last caller in uh for today, um. For me, bro, like I, I think that it's it's a tough question in the sense of like, sure, you know Caleb, right? And 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 you gotta give the benefit of, or you gotta get the fact that like maybe you don't me when I say you me, um, you don't know something, um, like that's that can be staring you in the face, right? And you just you just don't see it, and 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 that could be. The fact that Cliff came here because Dan Quinn or somebody told him, like, we're going after Caleb, right? 
but then I think about like other options and other alternatives. Like Cliff has been a head coach for like three or four years in Arizona. He knows this draft process. He understands that everything isn't a given. And sure, it makes sense for uh, Chicago if they wanted to trade back to trade to number two because number two uh, gives them the second best option to pick whoever they want because they know number one is going to go to Caleb. It's either them or the team that trades up to get number one. But num- but Caleb is going number one, right? So I think for, for Chicago and I think for even Cliff in this sense, like he's not joining, in my opinion, I don't think he's joining here because uh, there's a like uh, Caleb Williams is is the play. I think he's very aware that it may not work out regardless. And I think that he thinks that he can work out with all three quarterbacks. Now, if we get into that conversation, I have a preference. Right. I have a preference. of quarterback. I know, I know what your preference is. You already know. <laughs> You already know. And I just started watching Drake May. I'm on game two. Um, but you already know where my preference is. And and I'm like, when I, I know he has a preference right there, but he's very aware that Washington is not guaranteed Caleb Williams. And to the point of trading back, you say that Washington is the easiest to trade back. Who's to say that you can't get uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or offensive tackle or, 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 or a person that's going to help Justin Fields out at pick number five or six, right? I'm making up a number because I don't know the order and I don't know the, I don't know the order offhand and I don't know the teams in that top 10 who's going to need a quarterback, right? But who's to say that they're they're not or that they are okay with uh to with, with trading back to those spots? Like short number two is okay because it's one spot back, but they may be okay with what number five offers because they're giving them three or four draft picks and a player or two. But see, Marlon, three or number, four high draft picks and a player or two. I was just going to say trading back one spot still, in a sense, gives them control of the draft. Because obviously if they're trading back one spot, they didn't care about that one player at number one. Whoever Washington wanted, they're like, man, you know what? We can still get the guy we want or, you know, we can work with at number two and still control the draft and get assets for it. So that's why I say Washington's in the best position to do so because they offer Bears the incentive that they're still kind of controlling the draft from this standpoint. Maybe. I don't dis- I don't disagree, right? I don't disagree. I just think that um there's an opportunity or there's a potential that like our our focus is a little bit more narrow than it should be and i say us as in a fan base not us as in me and you but i think our focus may be a little bit more narrow than it should be bro i think there's teams out here who can really compete with washington to move up to number one especially if they're offering like multiple first round picks for multiple years no doubt but what's the most attractive to the Bears and the fact that they would only have to I, move back one spot and still get assets and control yeah, the draft I mean, in a sense? I mean, technically, you can move back to number two and still parlay that. You can move back to number two. That's and, true, and then And then move back to number four and move back to number six. Like, you can technically still do that. So, like, there's plays that you can do. And that's where it's like, I think that Washington partially – my opinion, if I had to give my opinion, because I'm over here laying out possibilities, my opinion is I do think that Washington has that that best chance because if you're only moving back one spot, you already mentioned it, Dre. Um, you do have the opportunity to control who you want um, because you know who number one is going to be regardless. 
So like if you're if you aren't sold on Caleb um in Chicago, then you can move back one spot and get get the guy that you think that uh is important for your franchise. Um and then another thing to think about too is why would they trade back if they love Caleb? That's something that we ain't talking about either. Like if they love That's Caleb, they're not they're not gonna trade out of number one regardless. Like they're gonna move, they're gonna move fields. Um, all right, so we got Caleb, another Caleb <laughs> in uh in the show. We'll end it here. Uh, but Caleb, man, appreciate you checking in, big dog. Um, okay. let us know what you got going on on your mind, man. What's up? What's up with these boys in Washington? Uh, um, the Dan Quinn hire. I, I I think we all wanted uh Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald. That was my one A one B. Um. I feel like this fan base, uh, when we were upset not getting Ben Johnson and when we got Dan Quinn, I feel like this fan base is just used to to the splash hires and what uh, Dan Snyder used to do all the time. So we're just used to that. So we expected to have like something um, something big in the offseason. But, uh, you know, the Dan Quinn hire, it's a safe hire. It's not a splashy hire. Um He's a leader among men, and uh, he knows he knows defense. I tell you that right now. Um, I think he definitely knows defense. My thing is with this coaching staff: um, have they evolved? Um, have they gotten better and learned from their mistakes? You know, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, I think what he did in Arizona was a uh, pretty good. He had a damn near a top fifteen offense. Um, just he's not a good head coach. I think there's some OCs that are better just being coordinators and being head coaches. I think Cliff is one of those guys. He don't got to focus on the overall team. He just has to focus on, you know, the offense. You, you go ahead and get into the lab and you just focus on the offense. Don't worry about the coaching. You just focus pa- on that. Pause for a second. You still got the floor, Caleb. But there's yeah. another thing that we didn't bring up, bring up that part too. Like, I, I forgot where the report was, but Cliff only, like, he came back to the NFL because he only wanted to coach offense. Like he has no intention right now of being a head coach. Like that's another thing to think about. He only yeah. wants to coach offense. Like he, he has no, no, I no intention of like expanding his role right now. And I think that's another hey. key be- what he wanted to do. Go ahead. And I was going to say, Maul, he says that now, but in, if he, if he coaches a successful offense, who knows what his ambitions is after that? Because then you might start getting different phone calls than you're getting right now. So that's oh, why the only I, thing I think. Look, if he, if he gets like head it. coach offers, yeah, if, he gets, <laughs> if he gets the offers or he gets the interest in terms of interviews, hey, so be it because you earned it clearly, right? right exactly. But, but in terms exactly. of like right now in the short term, in terms of like building up Washington – yeah, he's if not. You want, if you don't want, if you're interested in no head coaching job, man, right. hey, do your thing, and, bro. And, Invest and in I, that offense. And I think if he leaves, um, like I said, Dan Quinn, he went back and called the people, you know, what could I have done better? And, uh, you know, he asked the players. I was just listening uh the Craig Hoffman show. KJ Wright was on there. He was like, yeah, he's the guy tries to learn from what uh, haunted him in the past, you know. So, you know, I'm looking at the self-awareness of these coaches. Can Cliff Kingsbury evolve of what he did in Arizona? Can he get better? Well, one thing about Cliff's offense that I like, it is an air raid system. Um, he does run the ball if if he has to. Kenyon Drake had like 960-something rushing yards. I think James Conner was close to 1,000 when he had him. So Cliff Kingsbury will run the ball. <laughs> He will run the ball for sure. Um, whichever quarterback he takes, I think every the top three 
all fit what he likes to do. But I'm very adamant when I say I think this offense is at its best when you have a quarterback with crazy mobility. So I'm I'm taking Caleb or I'm taking Jaden Daniels. Drake May can work, but he's not moving like Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels. He's not moving in the open field where your quarterback is an extension of the run game. When you have a quarterback like that, that's an extension of the run game, that offense can be pretty fucking scary. <laughs> Especially in our division, I, I feel like we have to to do it safely, but we have to put this division on notice where it's like, we're not playing no more fucking games no more with y'all. <laughs> like, we gotta get the, like, we gotta have a playmaker. We saw what we had, we saw what we had with RG3. When we had him, Bro, like we like the, we put the whole division on notice. We need that, like again, but we need the right pieces around them. We need the right coaching staff, and I trust this front office for sure. I don't think they're going to meddle or do none of that open door policy that they did with RG three in the past. So, you but you gotta put your division on notice, man. I need me a playmaker. I like I'm I'm tired, bro. <laughs> we need to get this shit rolling. Hey, it, I, I don't think I don't think that honestly with I say this now and I, I'm not even going to regret it later. Um, I, I do think that it's either Jaden or Caleb um, at one or two, whatever they decide to do. I don't know. I don't know a, that part. A, a black but, quarterback in Chocolate City. Come on. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but honestly though, bro, like I, I think that like this quarterback situation, uh, just for those abilities alone, like I'm I'm early in into the, the Drake May tape. So this part I will say, like, let me let me have some time to, to reevaluate if my opinion does change. But he don't move like none of these guys. Like in the pocket, he don't move around like these guys. He don't maneuver that well. He's not as he's not as quick laterally. He's not as uh, agile. Yeah, he's not twitchy. And, the field. and yeah. yeah, and it's and it's that's not a problem, right? But the the problem comes in like when you see pressure. Like, can you get out of that pressure, or are you like a sitting duck? And I think that's the question that that you have to answer when you look at these guys, uh, specifically a Drake Man, who I'm talking about. So again, for those who are Drake May fans, please continue to be fans. I'm not telling you not to be, but I'm telling you so far, I need to see more because right now I see a person who is struggling to elude the pressure um, as, as, as easily as, as others. And you would prefer something like that. Another thing that I think about too, though, um, the offensive line build is going to be really important this all season. I don't think you're going to do a, a huge fix in one offseason, but I do think if you fix that interior and maybe find a, a stud at tackle, that could be left or right. It doesn't matter. Um, but if you fix the interior and find a stud at left or right tackle, then uh, you're in good shape moving forward. And um, I wanted to mention something about the defense too with Joe Witt and what Dan Quinn can bring. I mean, the defense can only get better. It was dead last in the league. It, it got to get better. If, if it's stagnant again, then, then, then we got a problem. Um, but Hey, Will, I almost spit my drink out, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to know how Joe Witt is going to use um, Derek Forrest and, uh, and Cam Curl. I'm, I'm really curious to how he's going to use them. I would like Cam Curl to stay here, but 
I'm not overpaying him either, but it's going to be really interesting to see what he does um, in the secondary. I think it'll benefit Forbes for sure. I think we need to add a linebacker. I know everybody on that. Yeah, multiple linebackers. Caleb, come on, man. We've ignored (laughs) that position for years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, multiple fans want Patrick Queen. I'm not on that train. I would rather get a veteran like Levante David, a guy who's known to call, uh, to uh, a guy who's known to have the green dot. He's put people in position. And I think if you add a Levante David, I think your off-ball linebacker gets better. There's clear examples of that with um, with Devin White in Tampa Bay or you got um, Drake Greenlaw in San Francisco. When you have a really good Mike linebacker, the off-ball linebacker gets better. Like week after week well, after it, week. It's, it's in uh, Fred Warner that got San Francisco. I mean, obviously, we got Adam Peters yeah. making the decisions now. They know the linebacker position well. San Francisco does not devalue the, line position, uh, the linebacker yeah. position. They got some. I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought that up, Dre. Uh, this will be the last thing too, mm-hmm. until we get up out of here. But not nah, like we said it. Like we found out very. It took us a long time to figure this out because it, it really. I, I would say this for me. Um, we were bamboozled by Rivera and company to think that the, the linebacker position was <laughs> important. And and like in in David the fourth year, man. or maybe even third year, going into the fourth year. Like you start noticing, like, bro, that's that's just bullshit. That's just a convenient excuse. Um, not to because people know how I feel about Ron. Shout out to Jay Tyler. Uh, y'all know how I feel about Ron. I ain't about to go down that well. But point being, uh, Adam Peters and company understand how important linebacker is for this team and how linebacker is for defenses, especially if you can hit on one or two. Um, and I think that's very big, bro. Yeah, facts. I, I I think we need to curious to see what we do at edge too. We we need an edge rusher, Brian Burns, Bryce. Huff. We need a defense. We need a well, front seven. <laughs> Not really need. Oh yeah, that's what you spend money. I think you can spend money on the edge position. Like if 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 it's me, like I don't I don't advocate going too crazy in free agency this year, but I do think you, that's one place you could probably spend a little bit of money as the edge yeah. position. We don't I'm, we have I'm, no one right now. Yeah, I'll I'll give Brian Burns the bag. I also do want to get a freeze and tackle. I if we can get Michael and win you, I think that'd be pretty good too. And put him at right tackle. I don't know what they'll do I with like Andrew Wiley. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with Andrew Wiley because uh, I ain't like my guy in New Orleans. Yeah, or um, I think, and I want Ricky Andrew Stromberg. Pete. I want Ricky Stromberg to play too. I think he deserves snaps for some hey, reason. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like there's no reason why you should draft a third round offensive lineman. He's not getting any type of fucking right. <laughs> and, and, and Ricky Stromberg, I mean, he he's a guy that actually, I mean, we drafted him. Obviously, we he didn't get to play this year, but he actually had good strong reviews from a lot of people who studied the game. They said Ricky Stromberg will be a guy who will be around for some years. So maybe he's somebody who you can look into developing. I'm a fan. Like, yeah, he, yes, he was man. a high. He, he was the highest graded rookie off of uh, no rookie, uh, offensive lineman in the SEC. Like, I, like yeah, he's one of the yeah. highest graded. I don't like. It don't even matter no more. Well, like, granted, he did <laughs> get hurt. I, I we gotta make that known. I, I I thought about that. He was. But, he got but they IR. did seem like they had Nick Gates and him higher over him. Oh, for regardless, sure. like Nick Gates was sure. gonna be starting. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, I think, yeah. Unfortunately, he just got hurt because I think I think Schaumburg was up at one point when they were battling back and forth between um. What's dude name? Uh, uh, Larson. 
Yeah, Larson yeah. dude. And two, um, um, a too early hot take. Too probably a little bit too early, way too early. I think Quan Martin can have a uh, a breakout year next year under Dan Quinn. I do. I, I think Quan Martin can have a a really good year. He he his com- his combine was crazy. He was a, what a, he had like a what a forty plus inch vert to do this fast. I didn't like the pick at the time. It was still a reach to me. They reached throughout the whole draft. I would have loved to get Osiris Torrance or John Michael Smith in the second round, but you know it is what it is. But I think Quan Martin can. I think he can really be good uh, under Quinn. And uh, Joe Witt, I think they'll they'll find a way how to use that guy. So it's gonna be interesting this year. Yeah, uh, I I don't disagree. Um, Quan was a guy where I was I was um I actually thought about that before we hired anybody. I think I said it on this show too, but I don't I don't need to worry about that right now. I think that Quan is a person who I thought is probably gonna be a little bit more uh, influential or important to this defense than than I think I said. Uh, what's his name? Cam. Um, either I said it on Twitter or I said it on here. Either way, I'm a, I said it now, so fuck it, fuck it. I like Cam. Uh, I still like it, like yeah, him. sure. But, but what are we yeah, paying Cam Curl? That's the question. right. What are we paying? He got, he got a one year deal coming his way. I'll tell you, he, that. he ain't much of a playmaker. I mean, well, at least he has, no, he, express, he, or, he, he has a yeah, show Dre, he's, yeah. he, he's not a playmaker. The box score, I get it. But when you go back and look at the film, he he's where he's supposed to be every time. Like, he, yeah, Reed Dowdy. He, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, 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 Jamal. The, the same, pe- the same stuff people say about Tressway. The same things I say about uh, uh, uh Cam Curl. A lot of good and not a lot of bad. <laughs> <laughs> I disrespect Cam. I ain't mean to do that, but like Reed, no, no, Reed was no, always no, in position. He just he just wasn't yeah, a guy yeah, who yeah. made the play. Right, right. And that's what you think of when you think of a Dan Quinn defense. At least if you watch the Dan Quinn type of defense for the last couple of years, it was playmakers all over the defense. And that's the only question I have is because you're going to have to pay Cam. You know, now do you pay Cam and hope no. that he turns into this playmaker that you want him to turn into? Or, you know, do you just let him walk and find someone else that can maybe fit, fill that role that you want him to fill? Questions that need answers, man. Um, all right. Hey, Dre, Kato, I appreciate you checking in. Appreciate Dre, uh, we will be around. Um, I don't know what news is gonna be coming out soon, but we're gonna stay tapped in. Uh, maybe we get some guests to get a pre-recorded show or something like that. Uh, we'll be stat- we'll be locked in on that on that front um as the days go by. Uh, but appreciate everybody who checked in, appreciate everybody who waited patiently. For Chop It Out to come back. I know we missed some breaking news over the weekend, past couple of days, man, but we here, man. Hope you enjoyed it. Appreciate everybody who called in. Appreciate everybody who liked, subscribed, supported, all that stuff, watching all the way through. Dre, one quick thing. Chiso, 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 Chiso Niners, bro. I'm a petty dude, Mo, so I'm going with the Chiefs, bro. I can't see San Francisco hoisting up some trophy, and I got to hear about Kyle Shanahan, Chase Young, and Trent Williams. I'm being petty. I'm going with the Chiefs. Let's go, Chiefs, baby. Well, last, <laughs> I, 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 I regret. I immediately regretted asking that question because I know we're gamblers. So, but I'm, I'm. I'll just say that I'm on the same side. Not for your reasons. I, ain't, I, I haven't bet. No, yeah. I haven't bet or anything. I know. I'm just saying who I'm rooting for. <laughs> oh, who you rooting for? Cool, 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 cool. I don't know what yeah, side you're yeah, cool. Yeah, we're gonna keep yeah. that. We're gonna keep that innocent and and not even worry. I'm about probably it. doing over unders in this Super Bowl. I'm probably not even betting I, like a spread. I'm probably gonna get like yeah. probably like 10, 10 player props. Parlay is going. Yeah, I don't that know. too. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm gonna as get well. some shit going. 
All right, oh, and Maul, before we get out, I just want to tell you, bro, I just started Raising Canaan this week, and, bro, I'm freezing through. And it was because of y'all that I'm watching Raising Canaan. So just to let you know, you and AJ called me Ronnie off Raising Canaan. So, yeah, I had to go watch it. <laughs> I had to go watch it. Oh, if we took a if we took a picture, bro, I will put that joint in the in the stream. We didn't take no picture, dog. That shit was, bro. You look smack like that, man. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm just glad you watched it, bro. I'm glad you watched it, man. Yes, I'm, I'm happy yes, that you sir. started that, man. If you like it, I I'm not gonna stay wrong. I know you say you got a personal beef with Tariq, so if you like this one, just go to go to Tommy next, and then think about Tariq after. That. <laughs> I think about it, brother. I think about it. <laughs> all right, man. That's gonna wrap it up for us, man. If y'all enjoyed the show, appreciate y'all for watching all that good stuff. We out of here, man. Peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it off. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off? You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Dive. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.